Well, how's it going, y'all? Howdy. Let me get all those stereotypes out of the way. I've never worn boots in my life, just so you know. Um, hey, would you give it up for the worship team? These guys are phenomenal. Um, yeah, you can be seated. I, uh, I really am excited to be here. I'm excited to be here just because of the journey to get here. Um, just to fill you in. I, I, you know, gosh, I was, I was at the gate last night. I was early. I was there. I was at the gate. I wasn't down the way at McDonald's. I was at the gate, and I missed my flight. I don't even, I'm, I'm tell, I've done this enough times. I'm not a rookie. I'm very confused. I'm still confused. I'm going to blame it all on them, but I'm sure I should have paid better attention. Um, just unreal. But I am incredibly happy to be here. I, it has been five or six years, I think. We measure it now. I, I don't know what life was like before my, my son was born. Um, so everything's measured by, you know, after Kaysen. And uh, he is uh, six years old, so I think right around six years ago, five, six years ago, we were here. And uh, I, I loved it then. I love it now. I met Eric uh, as, as a youth pastor back in the day. I don't know if it was in Atlanta or somewhere else. Um, and, and then I uh, got to meet your pastors who, I mean, could you just, could you honor them and say thank you for all that they do? There, there is... Um, I was, a, I was a youth pastor for a long time, and I just thought, man, if, if my pastors would just get it together, and it was my parents, um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I just never knew, and then I, I took over the church, and, and uh, we, we are in Fort Worth. We are not in Dallas. Uh, people used to call us C3 Dallas forever, and I would, we would just, you know, hair would raise on the back of your neck. You'd just get mad. Uh, we, are, we are from Fort Worth, Texas, and um, we uh, have been there for my whole life, and we uh, uh, when I, I just remember now over these years just having met and hung out and, and really, my dad said it best, I just wish I had more birthdays in a year so I could get more messages from Pastor Bill. Um, I, I, mean, I mean, honestly, I, I, I have those saved. They're, I, they're, you know, I, I say happy birthday on Facebook and I'm thankful for Facebook or I would never say happy birthday to anyone because um, I forget. But you know, most people just give a few words, say, you know, some easy things, and Pastor Bill writes me seven paragraphs, and, um, and it's, a, I love it. I just, I just think, listen, it's, it's hard, and it sounds strange, but it is hard at times to find people so genuinely um, loving and hospitable and caring and uh, I just, I'm just thankful for you guys and, and really honored to be here. Bummed that I don't have my wife Meredith here. Um, our, uh, my, my boys, I got a six-year-old and a three-year-old, Kaysen and Grayson. We just figured we're going to mess up the names anyways. Why not make them rhyme? So, so even if we say it wrong, they might still look, um, which does happen. It works. And, uh, and so they're not here, uh, but um, they're hanging out at home, FaceTimed with them this afternoon. When I, when I missed my flight last night, I'd been in the airport for maybe three hours at the time. So my wife came, picked, us, picked me up. Boys were in the back. And they had asked me to get them, I don't know why, an RC car while I was in Canada. I don't know. Do you all make good RC cars? Is it a remote control car? I don't know. And uh, so I got back in the car. I'd been gone for three hours. My three-year-old goes, where's my RC car? And uh, 
So now I'm going to show up at home twice without an RC car because I'm not bringing an RC car home. I might buy it in the airport on, on the way back. Um, but I am, I'm really excited to be here. I really, truly am. And um, I love the theme of the conference, um, Empowered. Uh, I, I'm not going to rush it. Uh, as you can tell, my voice is a little bit out of whack, um, but I believe God's going to work that way, you know, and if we have to work on silence even more, then we're good with that. Uh, don't think I'm antisocial when I don't talk a ton before and after. It's just my voice is, is uh, bad, and in Texas, if your voice cracks, you might get beat up, so I'm trying to steer clear, <laughs> steer clear of that, and um, I have heard that Calgary is like Fort Worth. We're, we're, Fort Worth is Cowtown. We, it's one of the nicknames at Fort Worth. And I heard you guys have a stampede, and we got the stockyards, so we're, we're basically twins, um, except the white stuff that you have out there. We don't have any of that. We don't do that. And no, it is not warm here. It wasn't warm this afternoon. No, it's cold. It's cold. just want to be really clear about that. Um, but I, I, you know, listen, I think this empowered thing is really important, but I, I, I do want to just warn you ahead of time. Um, I'm, I'm not going, we will, we will have moments in the room, and uh, there's a reason for that, there's a purpose to that, the same thing happened in the early church. I just want to encourage you, though, um, I think one of the great things about what I'm seeing in the church world, I guess, is that um, there's this hunger for uh, not just moments of spirit-filled church moments, right, in the building, but there's, there's this hunger for spirit-led moments like in the streets, like that there's something that's happening. Like, I don't know about you. I don't feel, I don't know. Maybe it will, but maybe everyone in the world is going to eventually make it to church. But I'm, I'm hedging my bets that they may never all make it on a Sunday morning. Like the every, every knee will bow, every tongue confess thing, I just, I'm not sure that's going to be on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And I'm not sure revival is going to happen just because we count salvations on a Sunday. And I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. I do all of these things, everything that I'm saying right now. So don't hear me. I'm, I'm saying both and. But I, I think revival is when we start counting how many people got saved Tuesday afternoon at my workplace. How many people got prayed for healing? How many, how many people saw Jesus? How many people really caught a glimpse of who God is? And I, I just believe that. I believe, and I think this is the heart of your pastors, that this isn't just a moment that happens on a weekend um, that you can talk about. I, I tell my church all the time, uh, I, I, there's, I don't do it all the time because it will make people feel awkward, but during worship, I'll kind of turn around and I'll look at the crowd. And uh, My wife's actually the one who prophesies. My wife will get up there and she'll like just read everybody's mail and it's totally not fair. Um, <laughs> But I'll turn around, and I'll just look around, and I'll, look at my, I'll just look at the church. And uh, it's when I open my eyes and I look around that I begin to, oh, yeah, this, okay, yeah. And then I'll, I'll have something to say to them. And I've just found that part of the issue with us walking in the Spirit is that we keep our eyes closed a lot. Like when we come in here in these gatherings, we close our eyes, and we get real like this, and we go, God. Come, come do something in me. And that's good. River runs through you. Okay, that's, that's, but it is not just to you, it is through you. I would just challenge you every once in a while when you're worshiping, you're having a moment, just go, just look around. I'm just telling you, you're gonna have more words for people if you would just look at more people. If you would just like see more people. 
then, then you will see the opportunities. It is, it is not hard to find opportunities for God to do something if we are actually looking at the things God is looking at. And the, anybody walking through, and I, so I, I want to encourage you and challenge you that over these next few days, that I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that it's all just going to happen here. I'm going to challenge you that what happens here should make it out there. In fact, I would venture a guess that it would be if we took what happens here out there, it would actually grow out there even more even than it grows in here. One of my favorite uh, quotes uh, from a guy named Willie George. Uh, he's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He was gospel bill. Some of you got, I'm, I'm a church kid. And um, he says, the, the miracles happen on the frontier of the gospel. Miracles happen on the frontier of the gospel. When you get out and begin to pioneer and you begin to go out into places, you begin to get a bit bold and a bit risky and a bit, I don't know, maybe a little bit crazy, and you go and actually pray for people and you actually see people and you actually ask people questions. I remember sitting, and I'm just talking. I'm not getting into my message. <laughs> Is there a clock? Good. Uh, but we're family, so I feel very comfortable. Maybe too comfortable, so just let me know. Um, I remember sitting at a coffee shop, because that's what pastors do. That's all we do. We don't do anything else. We just sit at coffee shops. Like, what else could we do? And um, I'm sitting there talking with a guy and, and a buddy of mine, and he kind of checks out of the conversation. I can very visibly see that he has checked out of the conversation we are having. And I felt like it was rude. Uh, I felt a little hurt and a little pain. So I begin to build up, how am I going to tell him that I'm mad at you right now? And, and he says, hey, hold on a second. And he leans over to the girl next to us, and he says, hey... And this is just something, I don't know that I would have ever done this. But he leans over to this young lady, and, and he goes, hey, I just, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. He goes, but I just felt like the, the Lord give me the word Asia for you. And I'm like, what are you doing right now? You're ruining a perfectly good coffee, and I was telling a great story. What's your deal? And she, I'm telling you, she, her eyes got big. She, she doesn't start to cry, but you can tell she's visibly shaken by the thing. Her friend is reacting. There's, he, all he said was, Asia. Like, y'all should try that. Just like next coffee time. Hey, Asia? Yeah? Mm -hmm. You know, just see what happens. And she goes, I've been praying. I was supposed to be going on a missions trip. I've been praying about it because I've been having trouble with getting the funds, and I'm not sure I can do it or if I should even go, and I'm not sure if God wants me to go. And so I don't, and he goes, yeah, I feel like the Lord still sees Asia for you. And I'm like just sipping my coffee, you know, like, what was I listening to? You, why, why did you get the word Asia? I didn't get the word Asia, you know? Um, and it was just a willingness in that moment. Like, how weird and foolish do you... I don't think the Holy Spirit's weird. I just think he, he's just different than you and I. And he hears things, sees things differently than you and I. And he sees more than we do. And he's able to act. I think there, there are things that my kids think are weird that I do, but it's only because I understand more than they understand. Why do they have to go to bed at a certain time? Because I understand who you are the next morning when you don't. The Holy Spirit sees things that you don't see. Because there has to be a willingness, and I'm getting way ahead. This was Sunday night's message. I won't have anything left after. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2, because I did want to set some context for you. Um, I, um, I, I, again, growing up in church, and, and I, again, my family heritage, I, I'm incredibly thankful for it. Um, 
And, and in fact, I would say because of my family and their faith and who they are, has even in church life um, allowed me to stay anchored to hope and anchored to Jesus. Uh, and so I've, I've been incredibly thankful for my parents and all that. But again, I, you know, there's things that have changed and shifted in me, the things that I understand. I just, I've, I've, I've held to the scripture that um, the work that God started in you, he is faithful to complete it. The, the problem is it's not tomorrow. He actually says, faithful to complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus. Like, sorry, but you're a project forever. <laughs> Till you meet him, you ain't done. And I just realized even now, I'm, 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 I just turned uh, 39, yeah, January 18th. Um, and, uh, and so I'm really old and wise now. <laughs> I think that might happen next year, I'm not sure. I don't know when the wise thing hits. I'm not sure when it'll happen. We'll see. I want you to turn, yeah, Genesis chapter 2. And I want to just hit a couple things because I think what I'm going to share will kind of give context for uh, the rest of the weekend. I'm going to do it fairly quickly because I want to give some space at the end, um, and, and we'll go from there. But Genesis chapter 2, and I know you're wondering why are we talking about uh, the Holy Spirit in the New Testament? No, he's in all of it. Uh, the God, the Father, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are present in, in every part of the Bible. There are different emphases in, in different seasons in different places for sure, uh, but the, the presence of all three is absolutely clear throughout Scripture. And so I, I don't ever preach, on, I rarely preach on the Holy Spirit if I don't go back to Genesis chapter 2. And I think it's because it actually gives us a picture of what God had always intended and why he did what he did in Acts chapter 2. So I, I want to just kind of hang out here, and, and, uh, and maybe we'll just learn a few things together, and, and then we'll have some time of prayer at the end. Genesis chapter 2, I want to read verse 4 through 7. So the, the chapter 1 gives you kind of an overview of what goes on. Genesis chapter 2 gives you a bit more specific idea of what's going on. Genesis chapter 2 says, verse 4 says, there, These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation at the time that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. No shrub of the field had yet grown up on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. I want, I, please hear this, because I don't think we will ever fully understand the purpose or reason for what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life if we don't understand this little verse right here. That the stuff hadn't grown. Why? Because God hadn't watered it, and man hadn't worked it. Partnership with him has always been part of the plan. Always. God was going to make it rain. Man was going to work it. And it was going to be a beautiful garden. Now here's the other problem with this. It wasn't that before then. You ever think of the Garden of Eden as paradise? And then when you read the Genesis account, you realize they had to get it to paradise. That work was actually involved in paradise. That, that Adam had a job to do. Eve had a job. There were things that they were to do in paradise. So next time someone says, I don't want to work, just realize that's, no, it's, that's a paradise thing. Work, calling, purpose. The, the idea, the purpose, the, what the Holy Spirit is getting at in our lives has always been about what he's going to reign on and what you are going to cultivate. It's always been that way, will always be that way. That's why if your view of the Holy Spirit only happens in this type of an uh, atmosphere, you will severely limit what he does in and through your life. 
Not to say that these moments aren't powerful. They are. I think they, they start here, but if they don't go beyond that, you will miss out on some things that God wants to wow you with. That, that, that what God wants to do in your life is going to happen as you begin to cultivate what he has begun, what he is going to reign on. So, so the rain hadn't come, right? Man hadn't shown up to work it, but water would come out of the ground and water the entire surface of the land. So water is coming from the ground. Verse 7, then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. I want you to, two words, you can write these down, shape and spirit. Now, if you watched the video last week, the promo of me on, you heard this already a little bit. I think this is critically important. Adam looked like Adam before he was Adam. Adam looked like Adam before he lived like Adam. Adam had the shape of a man without the spirit of a man and wasn't living until God breathed his breath into him. Now, the word breath can also be translated spirit. It's the same word. That God breathed his spirit. You see this throughout scripture. In fact, you see Jesus awkwardly breathe on his disciples in John, the gospel of John. God formed Adam, gave him a shape. God loves shapes. I'm, I'm looking out my hotel window at the Rocky Mountains. The beautiful, I don't get mountains in Texas. We have hills. And that's, that's stretching it a bit. And looking out at the Rocky Mountains, I'm going, God loves shapes. He loves making things beautiful. He loves making things gorgeous. He loves shaping them, forming them, making them. I, he loves that. It's, it's amazing. But he knows that those shapes are meant to be the vehicle for his spirit. You and I were shaped that he might breathe his breath into us and we might begin to live the way he's called us to live. We've actually become, in Western culture, we've become really good at, at, at building great spaces. You know, you pick up the latest magazines or books or check out Instagram and all the people getting Insta-famous for how they decorate their room and organize their kitchen or whatever. We, we've become brilliant at creating the space. But, but there are times, where, have you ever walked into a house that's beautiful, but that, that just doesn't really seem very like, welcoming, and it has little to do with the space, it has more to do with the spirit, the heart, the attitude of the place? And for you and I, the, the, we all have a shape. All of us have something unique and different about us. All of us have gifts. All of us have things that are meant for you and I to do. Adam had a particular shape to his life. There was something unique about him. But what I find for many of us, because maybe it's easier to measure and maybe it's easier to compare, is we spend all of our time majoring on the shape of our life. We spend all of our time worried about how we look compared to how they look. We spend all of our time worrying about the shape, what we have, what we look like, what we don't have, what we should have, what we could have, thinking that if we just get it right on the shape of our life, then somehow everything will sort itself out. But you all know those people who look the part and don't have a healthy, life-giving spirit. We all know, we've all been those people at some point. 
where it looks like it's all together. Every, I've got this shape of a man. I am set. I'm good. I got the car, the house, the kids, the dog. I got It's all good. And yet on the inside, I'm all beat up, torn up, worn out, tired, feeling like I've lost my breath, feeling like I've gotten the wind knocked out of me, feeling like I don't really know how I'm going to keep going, even though the situation I'm in looks like it's all good. We spend all of our time worrying about the shape, and we will edit our shape. We will try to work on it. We will do everything we can, and rarely will we actually spend time worrying about and dealing with where our spirit is, who we are on the inside. See, the kingdom of heaven is always inside out, always inside out, always inside out. It always starts from inside. It's always a river that flows out of you. It is always something that begins, in, so we can have, we can do all the things. I mean, I've preached plenty of sermons where I've been standing up there preaching the word of God, and yet on the inside of me, I'm worn out, I'm frustrated, I'm angry at the person in the third row, I'm ticked off about the thing that I'm going to have to deal with after church, and I'm, oh, I don't, y'all thought we were like super you. No, 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 I'm just a dude. I'm a guy, and, and like, I, it's, oh, y'all didn't think we were superhuman, because y'all didn't even... Like, no, Brandon, we did not think that highly of you. You're, you're, no, we thought you were just a dude. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I know that feeling of feeling worn out. What's going on? I've got, you can't possibly look at the stat sheet and say that I've got it bad or it's difficult or terrible. And somehow on the inside of me, I feel like I'm running on a lack of breath in my lungs. And yet God leans in to Adam. He has the shape. He has it all. And God leans in, and he breathes the breath of life into the body of Adam. He becomes a living being. And then it says God placed him in the garden, and Adam began to do what he was called to do. Some of us need to understand that um, we've spent all of our life, all of our time, obsessing around our shape. Well, if my gifting was this, if my talent was that, if my look was this, if I... And we're forgetting that, that God shaped us. God made us. What we need to do more than anything else is to major on his spirit in us, his breath in our lungs. We, we did this in our church recently. We started talking about withdrawal and return, the habit, the pattern of withdrawal and return. And we said it to ourselves. We said we, were, we want to withdraw to look at Jesus so we can return looking more like him. Jesus did that. Jesus had this rhythm, this habit of withdrawing to be with the Father so that when he would return, he would make key decisions. When he would return, he would choose his disciples. Some people think, I remember one of my favorite authors said this recently, said so many times I've read the 40 days in, of, of Jesus in the desert and then being tempted at the end that somehow like that was his weakest point. Actually, after 40 days of fasting and praying, that was the exact right moment for him to be standing up against what the enemy was trying to do. When we get with God, and I know this means that we have to carve out the time. It means we have to show up at a Friday night on ch at church. It means we have to do these things to get into a posture, to get into a place where we, we catch the spirit of God. We, we can get so caught up in the shape. And then you go to Acts chapter 2, and I want to jump to Acts chapter 2 and, and, uh, and, and share uh, what changes here, because what he's done in Genesis chapter 2 is try to give us, and, and you can read Genesis 1 and 2 and kind of see what God intended with the earth, 
What did God intend in the earth? God, God's intention with you and I, what was God's intention for you? What was his intention for me? What was his intention on the earth? He wanted to create a space, create a place. What did it look like? I think Genesis 1 and 2 and a little bit further on begin to give that idea, give that picture to us. But something gets in the way. So Jesus shows up. We've read the Gospels. Jesus lives a perfect life, dies, rises again. Then he says this interesting thing. We're going to get to Acts 1 probably tomorrow. Uh, he says, hey, don't leave until I've given you what the Father promised to give you. And so the, the disciples wait. Disciples hang out. It is interesting to me how often the Holy Spirit moves after people have stopped moving. After people have just waited I, it's just like being quiet there for a minute. I, I like silence because it, it actually breeds in me a desire to speak. It, sometimes us getting quiet reminds us of what God's already put in us so that when it's time to speak, man, it just, it just comes out. If we talk too much, we just, it, oh, it just gets, it's like 1 Corinthians 13, just a loud clanging symbol. But when we get quiet with the Lord and we allow him to speak to our hearts, then we speak up. Because, see, I think you make an impression on the earth if God has made an impression on you. That's where, that's where it is. If God has made an impression upon you. So Acts chapter 2, they've been hanging out for roughly 40 days. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like that of a violent, rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. Okay, so there's 70, maybe 120 people in this upper room praying. Remember, shape and what? Spirit. Okay, this is the Holy Spirit weekend. Y'all should have been quicker with that. Okay. <laughs> shape and spirit. These guys, like Adam, looked the part. Bunch of people in a room praying. Awesome. Way to go. Amazing. God's still, it's good. So good. Shape. Looks like it. And as they were continually united in prayer, as they were together in one place, then comes the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Same kind of word that's used in Genesis chapter 2. In fact, you can translate that same word, wind and breath. It can translate the same way. And so God shows up in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 after Jesus had reset everything. After Jesus had kind of said, okay, it's gone on long enough. I'm going to give back to what it is to be human. I'm going to give back to what it is to live life in the way that I've created people to live life. And I'm going to do that. But hey, listen, before you go do what you're called to do, go, before you go do what I've told you to go do, I want to make sure you get what you need to do that thing. And so you have the shape. They spent three years. I love the four-week growth plan that most churches do now. It's a lot shorter than the three-year one that Jesus did with his disciples, right? When they were given opportunities to make mistakes along the way and pray for people and nothing happened and all those kinds of things. And, and how, I, mean, I know it would have been 
hard, but like, how many of you would love to have been a disciple and at least one time been reprimanded by Jesus? Like, it would have been kind of cool, like, how dare you not have faith? You know, I, I don't know. But, and so these guys have all the, they have all the stuff. They have all the credentials. They have all the things. They walked with Jesus. They saw Jesus do everything he'd done. He'd walked on water. One of them had actually walked on water. They'd leave out the part where they drowned. They walked on water. They do all these amazing things. And yet, Jesus wasn't satisfied with that. Jesus wanted them to walk differently. And so he says, don't leave. And when they stayed and they began to pray and they began to seek God, when they began to be uh, in a posture of waiting on the Lord, the wind shows up and breathes something into the room. And the room fills up. And here's the distinction. And I think this is important. And in fact, I know you were just talking about the message that I preached last time I was here. You just reminded me of it. Unity. Unity is like a life message for me. And it's a life message for me. I think almost everything lives and dies with unity. Families, jobs, workplaces, churches, lives and dies with unity. If we will stay together in one place, seeking the Lord, the breath of God will show up. So here's what happens. Acts chapter 2. Jesus has kind of reset the thing. He's starting a new thing. He's starting a new thing. The church is going to be birthed in this moment. It's a new thing. Isn't it interesting that God, in Genesis chapter 2, breathes into the body of Adam, a person. But in Acts chapter 2, he breathes into the body of what we would say is the body of Christ, right? And he breathes into a people. See, if, you, if you're trying to do the Holy Spirit thing without community, you're just going to get weird. You get real strange if all you ever hear is your voice and you're, you're saying it's all you. Like, you need some people around you. And for you and I, there's this breath that shows up. And, and I, I, this is why this is so important to me. And, and here's why it's so, so critically important for us to hear this idea. And I wanted tonight... Um, I was trying to think about all the different things we could say. I mean, gosh, the Holy Spirit. Hey, I want you to preach on the Holy Spirit. There's only a few things in the Bible about the Holy Spirit. What do you want to do? And um, I, I, I know this is so important because I, maybe you're this person or maybe you have friends or these people. I feel like the earth needs a fresh breath. I, I feel like the earth needs some air in their lungs. I feel like the earth is craving. I mean, how many of you know people who say every day how tired they are? I, I, I mean, young people, and this is not blasting young people. I'm not one of those, you know, like I'm, I'm still living old and young. I'm 39, so somewhere in, I don't know. I think I might be a millennial. I'm not even sure. Um, I, I, I'm not, but I, I'll talk to young people, and, I'll, and, and they'll tell me how tired they are. They're 22 years old. They work part-time, and that's all they do. And they got no girlfriend, boyfriend, or kids. And they got a real, you know, and I'm not, I was that kid. I, was, I did the same thing because all of us at different seasons have different capacities. So this is not, this is not, they also at 20 years old are thinking more about the greater good than we ever thought about the greater good at 20 years old. So let's give them some props. But, but hear me in, 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 in this because I think it's important. I think the earth, I think the church, I think you and I need breath in our lungs. I don't know, maybe for some of you, you felt like you got the wind knocked out of you. And maybe for some of you, you feel like you have lost your breath. 
I know that when I was running from gate H6 to L2 this afternoon when I had a 20-minute layover to get here in Chicago, my mouth started drying up. I I never even happened to me before. I'm like trying as hard as I can. I'm losing breath. I'm like getting, I know that my form in running got worse as I got closer to the gate. As I lost the breath, my legs stopped working well. I was, I, my, my mouth started getting all dry. I don't even know what that was. That's never happened to me before. I think I was just stressed. I was like, I got to get here. I missed it last night. I can't miss it now. I think, I think there's a lot of people right now who are running through life out of breath. And it'd be one thing for me to come in here and go, all right, the Holy Spirit's empowered you to go do this and empowered you to go do that and empowered you to go. And you're going, yeah, let's do this. And you walk out the door and you're still going, yeah, okay, let's go. I think the one thing I wanted to pray about tonight to set the tone and set the context for the next few days, because I know all of you are good Christians and you love Jesus enough to show up Saturday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday night with people. But I, you guys believed it. You didn't laugh. You believed that about yourself. I am a good Christian. That's right. Is that for many of us, when we hear Genesis 2 and God breathing the breath of life into Adam, and when we hear Acts chapter 2 and we, we hear God sending a mighty rushing wind into the body of Christ, God's people, we love the idea but it is a foreign concept to our daily living. We are running every day just to keep up with imaginary standards that no one has actually ever given us. We have just continued to put on ourselves. We are breaking under the weight of a Western ideal. We are breaking under the weight of deconstructing faith and some of that's good, some of that's healthy to rip off some of the old things and the thing, for sure. But we are breaking under the weight of this idea that somehow you and I are going to make it all happen and it's going to be utopia. I, I think of people who, in the 60s who would have like walking into the coffee shops and living in the homes and having the cars that I have now, they would have been like, I want that. And I'm sitting here going, God, I don't have enough. I feel like it's all gone. I feel like I can't run anymore. I feel like I can't do what I'm called to do. Here's, I, want to, I want to tell you this. The Holy Spirit's role, primary role, the Holy Spirit's primary role in yours and mine life is this, to make you look more like Jesus every day. And that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, look, there are seasons where you're tired. It's hard. You're working 80 hours a week. And you got 12 kids, and we got to talk about that. But, you know, you, like, just, it's a, it's, sometimes that is the season. But the Holy Spirit is trying every day. His effort, his desire, his want for you is to look more and more like Jesus every single day. Because if you and I look more like Jesus, then earth will begin to look more like heaven. 
See, I think sometimes we go, hey, heaven, come to earth. And he's going, okay, look like Jesus and go into the earth. And some of us are having just, just barely getting by to have the breath in our lungs to go, I can't even pray about heaven on earth. I'm just trying to figure out how to live here in the first place. And God wants to breathe the breath of life. I read this article this afternoon, actually. Maybe it's because I feel like I need to run more. I don't know. But I wanted to read uh, a, a, just a, a quick little hit of this article I read. And I want, I want, I want you to hear this because I think this is kind of interesting. Now, they're referencing a, a lady named Carol who's running. So that's helpful. Carol's shallow, rapid breathing. They're talking about her breathing pattern. Shallow, rapid breathing doesn't properly engage the diaphragm, the main abdominal muscle below the lungs, which means she's not properly using her core strength, which makes her legs far less powerful. Not only that, running with an unengaged core means she's more likely to become injured as each step puts more torque and impact on her knees, hips, and back. McConnell explains that breathing deeply is the best way to properly engage. He goes on to speak about the best thing you can do when you're trying to run is to get a better rhythm of breathing. I'm wondering if many of us have diagnosed certain things as injuries or we have diagnosed certain things as fatigue and really they are simply this, an issue with our breathing. And if we don't correct the issue of our breathing, and, and we are talking spiritually here, if we don't correct the issue of our breathing in and out, this right, not just one time, but this regular, consistent breathing in and out in the presence of God, breathing in and out what the Holy Spirit is doing in you and I, then at some point our legs won't work very well and we will end up injured by some offense or pain or hurt or difficulty. We will begin to run this race a little slower than God had intended us to do it. And it has little to do with whether or not you're gifted enough, whether or not you're talented enough, whether or not you have the right shape. Because let's be honest, the descriptor was that God formed him out of dirt. He made him out of dirt. And then said, I don't even need it to be all that pretty because I'm going to breathe into it and it'll work. And some of us have been so beat up because we're not, we're, I don't have the right shape and I don't have the right thing and I'm not in the right place and I have all this stuff and God's going, would you just shut up? I don't know if that's rude or not, but would you just be quiet for a second and let me breathe? Let me get close enough to breathe. Let me get near enough to breathe. Would you wait long enough to breathe. Would you just catch your breath in the spirit so that you can begin to walk out the shape that I have so clearly designed for you. There are things that you actually neglect or actually think little of that when God breathes on it is going to impact far more people than you trying to be someone you have never been. And if we can get our breath back, if we can just breathe in the presence of God. You see, sin has taken our breath away. What do I mean by sin? Well, there's a lot of people define it a lot of different ways. I, let me just give you an easy one, and, and there's more to build on this. But what, 
trying to do everything our own way. Trying to do it our own way. Trying to do it with, with our own ideas and our own efforts and trying to earn that grace. And trying to earn, No, no, no. You're going to get worn out. You're going to get tired. And it's amazing to me. I actually think we're worse at it in the church. Because we feel like we're supposed to have it all together. No, 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 no. No, everything in the gospel is cause and effect. Everything. Everything starts with him and works through you. Everything. Everything. Even Paul would say, I didn't come with persuasive speech. And, he's, and he says all that, and even though he was an amazing speaker, he says, I came with the power of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God in my lungs, looking more like Jesus every day. I want to I close. I don't know if I've gone over or not, but I, um, I, here's what I, I wanted to I was thinking about this, and I, I think I want to do this tonight, and then maybe tomorrow night we'll do something different. Um, I, what I don't want to do tonight is, um, is try to pray all your prayers for you. Uh, what I don't want to do tonight is to, to I don't know about you, but I, I feel like there was times where I was growing up, and because I couldn't have the worship team with me on Tuesday afternoon in my cubicle or in my workplace or in my school, it didn't work. Or because I didn't have that preacher in my ear, it didn't work. Now you got preachers in your ear and we're still just trying to make it through. I, I want us to be people walking out of here after, the next, after this weekend. I want you to know God's voice. I want, I want you to be able to embrace the shape God's given you and know that God's spirit is animating it. See, God's God's spirit is empowering it. The, the, the beauty of God's spirit is that it can go beyond your limitations. I don't, I don't know. I, I, there's two thoughts I had tonight, and um, I'm going to pray. I just want to pray these things, and then I'll let Pastor Bill do what he does. And, um, there are two things, and uh, I do have to I have to say this, and I don't remember her name. The young lady was singing Victoria brilliant so good I, I mean I'm not even sure I could totally hear you I was like the but I I mean you were great I don't know where, are, where you're oh yeah there you are hey Victoria how you doing good awkward now is it weird everybody just turned around and looked at you no I, I yeah I this isn't I, I'm just gonna tell you I just yeah just keep singing and sing louder um I don't, I don't mean that like you should have been loud I just mean that like the shape God's given you is good. Yeah, he loves you. And the shape God's given you is, is fantastic. And if you just let him animate you, like just let him empower you, let him breathe on you, you'll be great. You'll be so good. Um, I just want to pray over two things. And um, I think this matters for what we're going to do over the next few days. I, I wanted to pray for those of us who have felt like we have been limited by our shape. And because of that, we have neglected his spirit. In other words, we have said, I can't do that, so God, you can't do this. And sometimes what happens when you get quiet, it's happened over 21 days of prayer in January with our church, and people remembering dreams that they had given up on. Um, remembering 
hurts that they'd actually never forgiven. Uh, remembering skills and things that God had put in their heart that they'd forgotten about. And so I, I wanted to pray over those who felt like they're shaped. And then I wanted to pray over this, and maybe these will overlap a little bit. I wanted to pray over um, those of us tonight who feel like uh, we're out of breath. And, uh, and the, the, for some of you, that has caused injury because you weren't running upright. You weren't running at full strength. You were running kind of crooked or, or, or different, and, and, and it caused something, and it's gotten out of place. And there's hurt. There's pain. There's offense. There, it's just even like a, just a, I'm not, I'm not in on this. I'm here, but I'm not here, right? Um, or you have diagnosed it as an injury and shut it down when all God wants to do is for you to breathe again, in and out, in and out. I remember being on a playground and a young kid fell and he hit the, the little rope and, the, you know, the ones that don't have any give to them, they're just like, might as well be a steel bar. And, uh, and he hit it. And you've all seen this. My kids have done it. And he just did one of these. <gasps> and then he just holds it. Anybody seen this before? Yeah, you, know, you just like, they just hold it for like 20 seconds. You're like, you've got to breathe. Like, I know you're hurt. You, you're going to be more hurt if you don't start breathing. And some of us, I don't know, maybe there's some of us in the room who are so ready to be empowered, who are so ready to go into places and to see people and to look more like Jesus, so ready to begin to see heaven on earth because Jesus is seen in you, so ready for that. And yet something has gotten you to the point where you're just... And you just can't quite breathe. And God did not intend that for you. God wants you to be full of power. But it means that there's a rhythm to your breathing where the Holy Spirit is just in and out with you, just consistent and regular, where you're not thinking you have to summon him, but he is with you. He is in you. He is, he is shaping you and forming you and he's breathing breath into your lungs again so that you can run the race he has set out for you to run. Lord, I thank you so much for tonight. And God, I pray that uh, as we close here and take another few minutes just to pray, um, God, I pray that we don't get arrogant, uh, prideful. I pray we don't get afraid, fearful of, I don't know, some false judgment that doesn't exist in your kingdom. I hope we don't, I hope we don't get fatalistic and think, oh no, it's done for me. All those other people, they'll get it, but now it's over for me. I pray that right now that we are ready to breathe again. God, the earth needs breathing Christians. <laughs> the earth needs believers who breathe, who aren't hunched over, just trying to survive. But they're breathing, living, cultivating the ground that you're reigning on, and we're watching things grow. If that's you, uh, I'm going to do this. It, it,